The money conversation between couples is most often a difficult one. It is rare that each person sees eye to eye on finances all the time. According to Investopedia, money and debt are the top two marriage killers. If the couple does not agree to set a plan for a common shared goal, there may be difficulties on the horizon. So what are the best ways to manage your finances to avoid it killing your relationship? My name is Ronika Jacobs and you found my podcast, Strive for More, Your Best Life Now. While there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, you've taken the time out to listen to this one. So for that, I would like to say thank you. So without any further delay, let's get to it. Let's strive for more. Money Conversations for Couples and Life. My next guest, Jeremy Zismore, is helping people strive for more in the area of personal budgeting and finance. His main goal is to assist clients with a customized strategy for the wide variety of issues contained in managing daily finances. Whether he's advocating for seniors, Social Security, or healthcare matters and assisting with bill pay, to family issues such as creating household employment with nannies and caregivers. In this episode, he will discuss the importance of establishing financial goals leading to a path of financial freedom for couples who are just starting out or need some refinement. Hi, Jeremy. Welcome. Thank you for being a guest on my show. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me today. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so let me and the listeners, let us know, how did you get into Money Matters? Yeah, so I feel like the first thing I should do is probably define what a daily money manager is and what one does. So a daily money manager is a financial professional who provides personal financial services to individuals and families by managing personal daily money matters, such as bills, budgets, and record-keeping, and so, so much more. And uh, I have been an accountant pretty much since the day I got out of college, uh, and I started working in public accounting, and then I went to work for uh, in private accounting um, pretty much from low level um, all the way up to senior leadership there. And um, it was very fulfilling work, but, you know, I started to have some thoughts when I hit my early 40s and I said, is this what I really want to be doing for the next, uh, you know, 20 years or so? And it was around that time where I had the experience, um, my grandmother, who was aging independently, she was a widow for over 25 years, and I noticed that she needed some help maintaining her independence in the daily matters of her life, and one of them was her finances. 
So when I started helping her with that, and again, she was very independent, but she just needed a, maybe an extra set of eyes, I started to do some research and asked, well, who's doing this for everyone? And that's when I found out about the career of daily money management. And when I think back on the personal fulfillment and enjoyment I got out of helping somebody who needed the assistance to maintain an independent life, I said, this feels like something that is more true to me rather than helping the corporate world look at you know, profit and loss statements. And so it was really about touching the lives of, of an individual and a family that really spoke to me because I, I am such a people person. So that's, that's really my story of how I got to where I am today. It's really disheartening when you hear stories about people taking advantage of seniors in their golden age financially. They've given so much to society, and then later on in life, there's someone who just takes advantage of them, of their finances, and sometimes they are ruined financially. It's just a shame. Yeah, I mean, it is a vulnerable population. When you look at the statistics, over 90% of seniors would like to be able to age independently if they could. So when I work with adult children, really what I'm doing is giving them the assurance, and that's why I named my business Assurance Family Partners, but I gave them the assurance that you don't have to worry. Mom or dad are in good hands. You're not going to run into these issues of somebody taking advantage of them because I am doing you know, a, a, week, uh, a, a visit with them every other week and making sure that they are staying on top of what needs to be done and that the money is rightfully in its account where it belongs. So that's really what I'm trying to do is, you know, people are paying me not so much to pay the bills. Yes, they are. But really what they're saying is give me that peace of mind to know that mom and dad are okay. Now, people take classes to learn about all types of things. But not many people take a class to learn about money. Why do you think that is? I'd say I have a couple reasons for that because there's no black and white answers with money. Money is very much a, it's an emotional issue for a lot of people. And I think a lot of it depends on how you grew up relating to money. I look at my own background and, you know, I never went to a financial literacy class. And I actually think financial literacy is something that is completely uh, overlooked in the school system. I see some schools do teach it and some do not. And I think that is one of the bigger issues is if you don't get that literacy in finances when you're young and you're not learning it at home, the value of money and such, you start to realize that you don't have it. It's a complicated subject. And now you're embarrassed by how much you don't know. It's almost like when you meet somebody a few times and they tell you your name and then you realize you don't know their name. And now you've gone too many times where you should know it, and now you're too embarrassed to ask them their name because you should know it at this point. So I think it's a similar analogy with money. If you don't get it when you're young, you almost look at yourself as being less than or not being of something if you don't have that understanding. And people say, well, I would rather avoid the embarrassment and not look good rather than asking the question and getting the answers. Yes, I know I've told you that I'm an educator, and I do remember teaching math, but we only had a small unit on financial literacy. In the younger grades, it's more about the identification of money. 
and and then the upper grades, but I'm talking about elementary, then it may be a few things associated with money management, but not much. But again, it's only a unit, and it may be two to three weeks, if that <laughs> long, as far as the curriculum. So it's really interesting. And it's something you need your whole life. So if you, you know, you would think that it's such an applicable way to teach math because it, it will serve you the rest of your life. You may not need to know how to, how to add because you can always, you know, take out a calculator uh, and add big numbers together, but, but the concepts of finance are something that, um, you know, that you need, you need to know for the rest of your life. Yes. Okay, so we go to the doctor when we are sick, at least most people do. <laughs> Why do you think people are reluctant to seek financial advice when their finances are sick? Well, I think it goes back to the psyche of humans. We all want to do the right thing, but I think so many barriers get in the way. And I think a lot of people, but what's the common myth about men? They can't ask for directions. I think there's, there's truth in that joke, which, and, and not just talking about men, but with people, some people just have a hard time saying, I don't know something, help me get there. And it's not until something in their life becomes super important that they say, okay, I need to do this or else this is what I'm going to lose. So maybe it's, maybe they can finally see the writing on the wall. I mean, a lot of people don't see doctors regularly because they just think, you know, the ignorance is better than knowing what the issue is because once you know the issue, it's harder to say, well, I didn't know and now I don't, and now I actually have to change. So when you know something, you actually have to start addressing the issue. And sometimes the ignorance and the avoidance is, is a lot easier to swallow for people. It's the same reason why people, you know, don't create wills because they don't want to deal with uncomfortable subjects like dying, even though it's imminent, right? And so avoidance just is an easy way out for some people to just deal with problems. Yeah, that makes total sense. I know when I was younger, just spend money. And I know that you can't run your credit cards up but I had some hard lessons in money myself until I got myself on track. Okay, I know you are an advocate of using a spending plan. What exactly is that, and how does someone go about creating one? Like, where do you start? Yeah, so when was the last time you got behind the wheel of your car without a purpose or a place you knew you were going to drive? I don't think I don't think I do that. Every time I get in my car, Jeremy, I, I have somewhere I have to be <laughs> for sure. Correct. And what do a lot of people use to get to the places they want in the fastest amount of time? They use some type of GPS or some type of navigation device, I'm assuming, especially those of us that live in large cities with a lot of traffic. Exactly. And so a plan is exactly the same thing. You would never drive in a car without knowing where you're going because you value your time, right? And you want to get there in the shortest amount of time. You don't want to sit in traffic. Well, money is the same way, right? It's a limited resource. You know, a lot of people, I don't have, I don't have a limited money. A lot of people don't have a limited money. So if it's limited, you have to make a plan to spend it and to utilize it in the most wise way so that it, it's there for you today, and most importantly, it's there for you the day after and the day after. And so a spending plan is just to get, is just a GPS for your resources, being money. And so 
you're making a plan of how you're going to allocate that money in the right ways. There's so many resources out there that are free to people. I'm not advertising, but I think NerdWallet is a website where anybody of any sort of financial literacy can read about what it takes to put a budget together and utilize tools. And a very easy one that I advocate people use all the time so that they don't get overwhelmed is what is called 50-30-20. Have you heard of that kind of budget, the 50-30-20? No, no. What is that? Please share. Yeah, of course. So after you figure out what you make in your income after tax, you then figure out that 50% of your income is just for needs. 30% of your income is just for your wants. And 20% of your income is either for savings or paying down debt. And it's really important that you don't skimp on those wants because you want to make sure that a budget or a spending plan doesn't feel onerous. You know, you've got to have that wiggle room, so to speak, to have fun, to go out for a nice dinner with your partner or take your kids to an amusement park. So it can't all be only your, your needs. You've got to have money in there for your wants. So that's really an, a simple way of doing it so that you don't have to account for every dollar spent on groceries versus rent or whatever. You come up with these more generic buckets that you can throw your spending into. And you just start tracking your spending, and you, know, you have to be realistic with yourself to say, is this really a need that want? And then start matching that up against your income. And if you're in line, you're doing great. And if you're not, you, know, you, start, to make, you start to tinker with it, and you realize when you start tracking your progress, that's where that ignorance leaves and the knowledge comes in. And once you have that knowledge, it's amazing what people do with it when they realize how they are spending their money. It, it, it empowers them to make changes that can help them. Jeremy, I'm so glad that you brought up setting aside money for your wants. There's so many financial gurus out there. I'm not going to name any names in particular, but they always talk about don't go out and get Starbucks. You can't have it. You don't need it. You don't need to go out to eat. And it's like, but I want to save money. Yes, I do. But I do want to enjoy my life. And I know plenty of friends who've been on those types of plans and they seem miserable because they're not addressing their wants and they're only either saving and they're spending money on needs, on bills. And it, it's almost like it drains their personality. So it's interesting that you brought that up because we all have wants, whether they're big or small, but I think that's just human nature to have desires. Well, we've got to think of this in terms of a lifestyle, right? Like but spending money is not a crash diet because it's going to be with you the rest of your life. So you have to make it in tune with your lifestyle so that you can stay with it when times are tough, when times are good, and it, it has to adapt to your lifestyle. So we can never live for the long term just only addressing the, the, the needs. We have, to, we have to make sure wants is in there because we got to, at the end of the day, we've got to feel good about it. It can't be something, you know, this is sort of where I think the human aspect of this process plays in is like we have to address the incentive, and if, there's, if it's just all bad and all onerous, nobody's going to adhere to it in the long run. That makes total sense. Okay, so there's a new couple who wants to get married. How do they start the money conversation? Because they definitely need to have it. So how do they start the money conversation? Well, 
I think I would say there's a four-step process, and this isn't something that you know I've created. It's 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 just something I've realized as I as I talk to people. It all starts with communication, and that's that's whether you're talking about money, that's whether you're talking about really anything when you're talking about um, having a relationship with another person. And the reason why communication is so important is that oftentimes one person is a saver, other person is a spender. One person could be in a lot of debt, the other person could have no debt. So you have to communicate, you know, how do you relate to money? Because no two people relate to money the same way. And so once you communicate how you relate to money, then you have to stop becoming two people and start becoming one with one shared prioritization. So what are the important, what are the values, the core values and the life goals that you have? And you can't make everything a priority because then nothing's a priority. So you have to decide together what are the priorities gonna, are, are going to be. And once you figure out what's the, what those priorities are, then you hold yourselves as independent and as a couple accountable to chasing those priorities. So acting within the spending plan is how you stay accountable. So if the prioritization for families, we want to build an emergency savings plan because it brings us so much anxiety when things come up and all of a sudden we have to go to our credit card because we don't have anything spent. Well, if that's the shared prioritization, then the accountability says, well, what are we doing every month to make sure that we're not spending as much as we earn so that we can start adding to our emergency plan? And then the last thing is recognition because, and this is probably the most important thing because I think this becomes the continuous loop. So just doing without recognizing doesn't make you feel good. It's like winning a game and then not congratulating your teammates on a great job. So if, if you and your partner are working together towards a goal and you're starting to see that you're hitting the milestones on the way to achieving it, Reward yourself. Like, what, what is something you guys can do for, with each other, for each other, to recognize, like, all this hard work is actually paying off. And the recognition and the milestones, that makes you want to continue, this, continue, you know, continue on this loop together to do the next thing. What is the next priority? You know, so before you know it, this feeling good and hitting the goals, this is what makes you want to keep doing these things together because you realize as a team, you're stronger and you can achieve anything. Okay, so now for the established couple, maybe they have not been serious about discussing money matters and maybe they've gotten their, themselves into a bind or maybe they haven't always been careful about their spending habits and spending patterns. How can they align themselves to get on track? Well, guess what the answer is? What's that? It's the same thing. Ah. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're... You know, you're just getting to know somebody or you've been in a relationship for years. Communication, communication, communication starts the whole thing. I will say you can't want it for your partner. So that is kind of where the difference is. The partners have to come together and say, we don't like the track that we're on. How do we come together and turn the ship? And the communication is the first key. And you say, look, we're not saving enough money or we're utilizing our credit cards too much. How do we go about changing that? But it won't work unless both partners are on the same page as far as wanting to make a difference. I mean, I can't tell you 
I've tried to work with couples, and when I sense that one is pulling the other, I have a very direct conversation with them and say, it's never going to work unless you're both on the same page. You can't want success for somebody else. Um, because if you're not pulling your weight, as good as one partner is doing, if somebody is just not holding themselves accountable, how can we all be successful? It's, it just doesn't work that way. So when the people are in the relationship finally say, this is what's important, and they create that shared prioritization after communicating, then we go on the same process as somebody who's, you know, a brand-new couple and wants to get married. So the process really just doesn't change. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. It really, really does. Can you share a story about a couple or family you have helped or, like, what was their situation and how did you help them? I can tell you about a younger couple who's a young, you know, younger people, like, in their 30s and 40s. And I can also tell you about, you know, more senior people who are living the retired life. And it still comes down to the same thing where, like, so let's take the younger couple, for example. One partner felt that they were acting like the saver, and the other partner felt like they were the spender. So as you can imagine, those are not a good combination. The first thing I did was I shared with them where they had spent their money over the past 90 days to see, just to see what their reaction was and to see what was important to them. So we sat down. I shared with them where they spent their money, and right away they were, not surprisingly, because they had never done this before, they were very surprised to see that they were spending their money the way they were, and it disheartened them. They came together, and they said, look, we don't want to keep on this track, so what can we do to, to, be, to change things? And I said, well, what is important to you guys? You know, you have a young child. Are you thinking about saving for education? What are the things that are important to you? And we sat together, and we came up with the list of things that we wanted to do, um, and that were important to them, and we made dates that they were going to happen by. And so we made a plan. We had specific SMART goals, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time-based. And then we held ourselves accountable to making sure that these happened. And I was reporting back to them every month to say, this is how we're doing against the plan. And um, they started to make small changes. And the thing is, little changes make a big impact. Um, and we often don't give ourselves enough credit that if we take out one trip to the coffee store a week, we've automatically saved 20%. That one trip is 20% of, of that budget, right? Because, you know, four out of five days. And it doesn't take long for that to start to show itself as, as winning. And when they, when they got that taste of it, they immediately said, okay, let's go down to three days. Let's go down to two days. And then they were, you know, making coffee in the house. And the recognition that their behavior was having an impact on the finances and that it was making them, making their goals achievable, and we were recognizing it, it made them more hungry to, to keep doing it and to find other ways. And what I was working with them is, but you guys now find your ways to get to, to save money. And they were, they were treating it almost like a game. And they were, they were saying, okay, I know I can be better here if I just do, you know, X, Y, and Z. And the seniors and the, and the retirees were the same way. We talked together about what were the important things. And we said, okay, we're going to start spending within these, this range. And similar story, it really comes down to can you get 
everybody talking together in the same language? Does everybody have the same shared goal? Because I can't want success for people. They have to want it for themselves. And once they buy in and they take the action and we're reporting it, I'm not doing the work. They're doing the work. But we're kind of agreeing that this is what's important. And so where the words weren't being stated, I'm forcing the couple or the family to recognize that these were the words that were never stated in terms of what was important. And now we've said it. And now we're going to hold ourselves to walk this way. Wow. You keep saying that you can't want success for other people, and I can't tell you how much that is resonating with me, and I'm sure it's resonating with the listeners out there as well. Well, Jeremy, I just want to say thank you so much. I can't believe our time is up already. You have shared so many insightful tips for couples, whether they're just getting started or they've been together for some time and they want to do some changes or a full transformation on their finances because maybe they have a goal to achieve. Thank you so much for your time. I have one more question. I like to ask my guests a question that has nothing to do with the topic that we're talking about. So the last question I have for you is, what is something you cannot seem to do no matter how hard you try? So it's a little vulnerable moment right now. Probably enjoy Zoom. <laughs> I am, I'm an in-person feed off of the body, body language and energy of other people. And I put out, you know, an energy and a body language that I look for the reaction from other people. So the Zoom world really doesn't give you that connection, that robustness, I think, of a relationship. They say 70% of communication is nonverbal. And really the, the Zoom kind of, that's lost in translation of just being, you know, seeing somebody on a, on a page. And so I really, you know, have realized that Zoom just doesn't get me that, I don't know, that, that, that relationship high I have of interacting with somebody. Oh, I understand what you mean. <laughs> I definitely do. I, I'm used to interacting with people one-on-one, but luckily I get to interact with people with my podcast by interviewing guests, and that's kind of satisfied that for a little bit for me. All right, can you do me a favor? Can you share with everyone how they can seek your services? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to say it's been a thrill to talk with you. Um, I really enjoyed your questions. You definitely do a great job preparing. So thank you for having me. If if listeners would like to reach out to me and talk to me about what's going on in their lives and and how I might be of service, they can go to my website. It's www.assurance, A-S-S-U-R, a-N-C-E, familypartners.com. Jeremy, you are awesome. Any last words of encouragement for each listener out there as they continue to strive for more? Yeah, I would say never be afraid to ask for help. Chances are everybody else is in the same boat as you and everybody else is having the same challenges. And it's not until we can find ourselves ready to ask for assistance that we can really do something about the situation we're in. And I would say the other thing is there's many resources I mentioned, you know, Nerd Wallet is one. Check that out. And remember that little changes do make a big impact. And that's exciting when you start to see those little changes start to add up. So never think that just a few bucks here or a few bucks there can't make a difference. It can and it's an approach and a philosophy that will do you really well if you buy into it. I would never say promise, but you know, I, I really stand behind it, and it's how when I work with people, I try to get them to buy into that r- right away. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for your time, Jeremy. I wish you and your wife nothing but the best of success and abundance in the future. Thank you for sharing your expertise and wisdom with my listeners. Please take care. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great time. Communication is definitely the key to solving and preventing indifference. If you are committed to the relationship, each of you owe each other a calm, honest conversation about each other's finances, habits, goals, and anxieties. Unfortunately, ego, anxieties about control, and assumed notions of marital roles will have to be checked at the threshold. This is your life together now, and it needs to be handled so both of you are happy and comfortable. If you are having deep issues and cannot compromise, seek the help of a financial planner like Jeremy for unbiased advice. If it continues to cause deeper problems, you can seek a therapist. Did you know that you can also listen to my podcast on YouTube? You can search for Strive for More Podcast, hit subscribe, and you will receive the latest episodes every week. Thank you so much for listening. Continue to strive for more and live your best life now. See you in the next episode.